Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your host, along with Buck Schlurf over at MMA Nerd. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to let you know that uh, right after I film this podcast, I'm going to go warm up and get ready because I am the late replacement who's going to fight Bo Nickel in the main event. In under seven hours notice, right? How about that? Yeah, congratulations. They said it couldn't be done. Said it couldn't be done. But I'm taking done. one for the team. So UFC 290. It's been a while since we've we've done the podcast. We've got this one coming up, and we have UFC 291. Both really good cards. This one in particular. This is the first time I think we've been really really excited about a card in maybe like three months. I feel like the this is this card is is relatively stacked from top to bottom. So yeah, uh, even the prelims have a lot of fun yeah. fights on them. One thing you wanted to call out, what, what did you want to call out before we got started? Oh, yeah, the the headlining fight on the prelims is Robbie Lawler versus Nico Price, uh, and this will be Robbie Lawler's last fight. Uh, he is retiring after this. Good for that man. What a warrior. Um, here's hoping he beats the absolute dog shit out of Nico Price and gets a performance bonus on his way out. Sorry, Nico, you're great too, but... You gotta, yeah. you gotta do it. You know he really has been a, uh, a fixture in MMA for a really long time. I remember his wars back with with Nate Diaz. I don't even know what year that was. Like what two thousand and nine or something like that. I think it might have been like two thousand and two. No, they fought. They fought in twenty nineteen. In two thousand and two, is it yeah, that long ago? Rematch- yeah, their rematch was 17 years uh, after yeah. their first fight. Do you know how hard it is to stay at the top of this game for more than, like, five years? And this guy's been at it since I have... 2002? Oh I have goodness. absolutely no idea how hard it is, but it's an incredible feat. We talk like we do. Uh, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, that's this is I'll, the I'll let part. you know after I, uh, after I make my professional debut. Against Nickel? Okay. Yeah. So, a uh, couple other housekeeping issues. Um so, you know, things are going around the UFC. Number one, you know, there's some rumors right now with, with Ronda Rousey possibly coming back to the UFC. You and I talked about that briefly. You know, I don't think there's a lot of legs to it. You said that there's some, uh, you know, contract negotiations with the WWE, right, that she's in right something now? About, yeah, something about she's having a dispute with the WWE. The thing about it is, without doing, like, a ton of research on it, people love to write articles, like, following kayfabe like they love to write articles about like what happens at in the wwe that's like in universe and so i can never tell if it's like an actual contract dispute or it's just like the storyline that they're playing with um but yeah articles have been floating around and um now that the ufc and wwe are under tko uh the larger company together uh, you know i guess that's um a transition that might be a little bit more easier yeah. to to handle. Do you, do you, you know, think she really um, has? Do you really think that there's a, a possibility, even if she did were to come back? Do you think there's a possibility she could compete at at a high level, considering how long she's been off? Uh, you know, I don't know, but compete at you know how high a level? Um, I guess the state of the I, the division right now yeah, without yeah, Nunez get, is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to take away from, like, all of the women's bantamweights, no, but no. it is a division that has struggled a lot. Um, I, could, I could totally see, you know, if you put her back in with a girl like Raquel Pennington, um, she might not be ready for that. And Raquel might 
put a good pace on her and, and rough her up a little bit. Um, you know, maybe she fights somebody who's a little uh, smaller and kind of goes up in, in weight to fight her. I don't know if they can get like, um, you know, Priscilla Cachoeira or something like that. Uh, somebody who is down to scrap and will throw. Um, but fights at like 125, they say, hey, if you bump up to featherweight or up to bantamweight, we'll let you fight Ronda Rousey. And, you know, maybe you can give Ronda a win there. Or, or hey, who knows? Maybe you just feed her some undefeated prospect out of Tallahassee mm-hmm. uh, and just let her get her moment in the sh- in the sun and shake off the ring rust. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would personally like to see her come back. I don't know if she's in a mental space where she can come back and compete at the highest level because of what happened between Nunez and Holly Holm and those kinds of things. Um, you know, she she takes losing really, really hard, really personally. Um, Competitors do. Yeah, but her more so than most, right? Yeah, like it, it, was it a, really it was a... impacted her. Mm-hmm. She was not like the get back on your horse and or something like that. It became like a very personal, very ugly thing with her but i think that would be a good injection of talent and also just some momentum for the women's band weight division all right so yeah. the other thing we want to mention is you know uh, uh conor mcgregor is now missed his cutoff line for usada to be able to compete i think he has to be in the usada testing pool for six months in order to compete against michael chandler who's they're currently doing the tough competition or the tough series right now uh have you heard anything about that um well i just heard that after yesterday's episode, this is coming out on uh, Wednesday the 5th, so episode came out on the 4th of July here in the States. Uh, Connor's team, the all-prospects team, is now 0-6 uh, mm-hmm. against Chandler's team. So that's just... <laughs> yeah, he wants to change the rules, uh, uh, doesn't he? What a, three rounds. what a... Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he wants to change everything so that everything works out for him. Mm-hmm. But he can't do that. you got to play... By the rules, like our good friend Michael Chandler, who um, always puts the work in and uh, supports the channel. Uh, independent podcasters. Yeah, right. we're, we're a big fan of his. And he's a big fan of ours, too. That's important to say. Yeah, he's going to be on next time. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to talk yeah. about the BMF belt. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Mike. Anyway, um, yeah, he, he uh, Connor hasn't made hasn't done the USADA thing. And there's there, honestly, there's nothing stopping him. If he, if he wanted to do it, he'd do it. There's something so. stopping him. Right. Well, yeah. So let's just be honest with each and, other. That guy was so juiced up for the, for the roadhouse movie. I mean, you can just tell by looking at him. And honestly, if you need to do those kind of steroids to recover from an enormous leg break, I get it. Like do all the drugs you need to get, of like to recover from steroid like to recover from this enormous devastating injury if it's still in your system say hey guys i took a lot of drugs to recover from this horrifying leg break i can't compete yet just say it you know and that's fine but you know if he's gonna if he's gonna push like this and and then just stonewall and not participate in usada i think what he wants is to just you know keep talking trash and and keep challenging people and keep making fights and try and get the Brock Lesnar treatment um where uh at UFC 200 Lesnar did not need oh yeah he got the uh, they, waiver they gave him, against Mark Hunt. They gave him an exemption. Yep. Yeah, so that he didn't have to be in for 6 months. I was talking to somebody or you know, I was just like going back and forth commenting on something on Twitter 
and Luke Thomas was in that thread too, and he said that those situations are a little bit different because when Brock Lesnar was in the UFC and then left, that was pre-USADA, so he wasn't like re-entering any USADA pool because he had his championship run and all of that happened and then he retired before USADA so there wasn't like the same like re-entry into um so it's it's technically different but I don't you know if the UFC really wanted to it's their rule they could just waive it you know who cares um Connor gets all kinds of preferential treatment can the UFC just waive that yeah why not I think there might be some legalities to that. They hire, they pay USADA, right? Yeah, but they, then you have they, the athletic hi- commissions that that get involved. And if you're, I'm, I mean, if he, there has to be. If he didn't, yeah, you know, if he doesn't get a negative drug test, then what are they? You know, I don't you know. A positive drug test. Um. Or yeah, yeah. If he doesn't get a positive drug <laughs> test, then why? What are they banning him for? You know. Yeah, well, not banning, but anyway, yeah. neither here nor there. So those, and, those are the couple. And things. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar failed his pre-fight drug test, and they just ignored it and put him in anyway. Boy, that was good TV, though, wasn't it? It was a horrible yeah. fight, but man, it was exciting was, to have him back. I'm such Come a Mark on, Hunt man. guy, though. Oh, I, well, Ugh. I am too. I think everybody, everyone loves Mark Hunt, but you can't tell mm-hmm. me that didn't spice up the card a little bit. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was real cool. All right, Easting UFC card. 290. Uh, like I said before, this is a this is top to bottom. One of the best cards I've seen this year. No, probably the best card I've seen this year. And I think that the the final two fights, the the two championship fights, are are, are both going to be in contention for fight of the year. I mean, there's just there's just absolute perfect matchups for the Tons viewers. Tons of name value. Yeah. So if you have uh, any any tepid fans out there that that are just getting into the UFC, this would be the perfect opportunity to bring them over. Uh, to to watch the fight because there's just going to be so, a lot of talent on there, a lot of backstories, so on and so forth. So UFC 290. If you're not familiar, we're going to be breaking down the main card, giving you our insights, how we think things are going to go, and even though we're not a betting podcast, we're going to tell you what we think are you know your your best money is uh, where, where it's going to be best spent. So first fight of the night, Bo Nickel at, at middleweight is taking on. Uh, an unknown that's coming in on like what 36 hours notice or no 72 hours notice whatever it is something like that Val Woodburn who's never fought in the UFC and you've got some thoughts on that we'll go in there in a little uh, bit Val Woodburn Val Woodburn is the undefeated middleweight champion of CF combat combat knights pro Tallahassee Sweet. Um, <laughs> he's uh seven uh, yeah he's what is he? He's seven and zero. Yeah. Five knockouts, five or five KOTKOs, and then his last two fights were won by decision. Um, great man, that's super cool. What a cool young, like what a promising young career this guy's got. I can't wait to see him. You know, maybe fight on the contender series in another year, uh, and then start fighting like. Once he, you know, lower ranked guys in his division. Once he earns That's... his stripes and gets up to a regional, the regional scene, and <laughs> see where things take him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I. Um, we we were talking about this before the podcast started. The, this has happened twice on this card now. Uh, Bo Nichols' opponent Trajan Gore, um, and Jack Della Maddalena's opponent was Sean Brady. Sean Brady was coming off the loss to Bilal Muhammad last year. Um, 
Sean Brady had to pull out with an injury. Trayshawn Gore had to pull out with an injury. And lots of fighters um, in middleweight and welterweight both said, hey, bring it on. I want this fight. Get me in there. I want to fight JDM. I want to fight Bo Nickel. Gimme, gimme, gimme. And um, a lot of those fights would have been pretty interesting. I would have liked to see some of them. But uh, uh, the UFC has this kind of new policy in the last couple of years where instead of paying a, uh, an existing fighter m more than their regular rate to go in and fight to compensate for their short notice. Um, they're just going to bring somebody up from the regional scene, pay them 10 and 10, and then they only have to pay 10 because that guy is probably not going to win. They're doing it here twice with um, Val Woodburn, and I, um, I apologize, I don't even know the other um, fighter's name who replaced Sean Brady. Um, they did it with... Uh, Sean O'Malley, uh, they replaced it and gave him Chris Moutinho, the uh, electric lime-haired kid that just got punched a thousand times in the face and had nothing. Um, you do all right the first it's couple just rounds. A lot. He's a, he's a <laughs> yeah. tough dude, man. Sure was. He gets punched in the face better than almost yeah. everybody I've ever so seen. Let me ask you a question. Do you think, like, obviously this is uh, an opportunity for, for Val to come in with zero expectations zero pressure besides what's being put on himself i mean right now the odds uh interesting side note this is the most skewed odds or the biggest favorited odds is that a word it is now uh minus sure 2400 bo nickel and plus 1200 for val woodburn so it's the it's the biggest line gap i think it's ever existed in the ufc no it is by far uh, so if you wanted to win if if you wanted to win a dollar betting on a bow nickel fight you would have to bet 24 dollars 240 dollars no yeah no yeah yeah 24 dollars so yeah so 2400 dollars for a hundred dollars oh it's risky God. so so 10 hey, 10 grand will get you 400 bucks hey, i think put that in a parlay tonight <laughs> i don't know man maybe val is really good i mean i've never heard of him that's for damn sure so I was trying to find some stats on the guy. There, there's just not a lot out there on him. I, I know he, he looks tough, but, you know, Bo Nickel, for those who don't know, is is really uh, one of the golden boys for the UFC right now. He's an NCAA All-American, was on Dana White's Contender Series, uh, was number five on the card. What was it? UFC 285. 285. I think it was John Jones. The John Jones yeah, card. Yeah, and he, uh, he wrapped up a submission victory in under a minute on that one. And so he, he's got the look of someone that can go pretty far. I have my doubts because I think his striking is still relatively rudimentary. Uh, but Val Woodburn is not someone that should be uh, in the UFC, much less on the, you know, the main event. But I think it's going to be a good showcase for, for Bo Nickel. Uh, I, I sure as heck wouldn't throw much money on this one just because the odds are so skewed. And I think the, the other largest spread that we've seen in lines was um, – Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunez, and, and Juliana Pena won that one. So I believe that, that was maybe. the second one. No, I don't think there's anything to that. <laughs> not, uh, uh, what I'm not hearing is case. drop some big bucks. Yeah. Juliana Pena 2.0 is going to come in there. That's that's what you're taking out jab. of this? You're going yes, to single-handedly kill the podcast with these insights. <laughs> I'm just driving those numbers up. Yeah. 
All right. So, well, what I was trying to do in the beginning before we got sidetracked, uh, just so you guys know, we're all <laughs> taking Bo Nickel at, at minus 2,400. It's not something yeah. I would really put any money on because even the even the uh, you know the other bets that are you know the bets within the bets there's nothing there that's that's that enticing at all. Uh, but the rest of the card is Jalen Turner who is minus two seventy five is taking on Dan Hooker plus two thirty, Robert Whitaker minus four hundred at middleweight taking on Dreykus Duplessis at plus three hundred, and then we have the the two championship fights which is Brandon Moreno who's minus two hundred who's taking on Alejandro uh, Pent. Pantasia. Is that I'm saying that right? Alashandre Pantoja. Panto- sorry, Pantoja. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, Alexander, one of my all-time favorite fighters, Alexander Volkanovsky, is taking Yair Rodriguez. So there's a couple of absolute just mm, for the for the 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 stalwart MMA fan man. These are going to be some good ones. So, all right. So we're not going to really touch that much on Bo Nickel versus Val Woodburn because it's going to be an absolute can crushing. Uh, but Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker, that is going to be an interesting fight. And so Dan or Jalen Turner, he's 28 years old. He's 13 and six. Uh, he's coming off a loss versus Matus uh, Gamrot, but that was close. It was really close. And Matus is man, that guy's that guy's that's a top 10 written all over it to stay there for a while. Mm-hmm. And Dan Hooker, you know, I, I don't remember who his last win was, but he's coming off a pretty sizable losing streak, and he's trying to, you know, get his footing. But he got all the way up to number six in the rankings, and then he won on that 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 skid, starting off with uh, Islam Makachev, lost to Dustin Poirier, lost to uh, Michael Chandler, had a recent win, is trying to get you know get back on his feet. So, what are your, what are your thoughts on that one? Um. Yeah, you know, so he has he's had a couple of losses. He's definitely lost more than he's won uh, in the last couple of years. But um, those are all really comp- like you know, were the fights competitive? Maybe not the most, but those were all really quality opponents. Sure, Arnold Allen uh, at the time he fought Dan Hooker. That was one. Dan Hooker cut back down to to featherweight, which just gets harder and harder as you get older and you're you know. Uh, longer in your career so i can imagine that that weight cut was super draining he just did not look fast enough to fight that featherweights Uh, arnold allen was undefeated at that point so not a not a shame you know to lose to that islam mahashev no shame in losing to islam um dan uh uh, michael chandler of course um just uh that was a an incredible debut from Chandler. We know Chandler can bang and and um you know sometimes you just get your opponent cold and that's how it happens and then and then lost a war, like a real war with Dustin Poirier. Um that one yeah, might that have done some great serious fight. what a what an incredible battle that was. Um I watched that in um in the lead up to this and um man, that was just it. It was like scary for a little bit. I just those guys were absolutely winging shots at each other. That was like early pandemic, so you could hear all the punches. Whoa, sickening stuff. It was really I was captivated. Yeah. So, what, how do you think the fight's gonna go? You know, well, so there's a lot of things pulling me in the direction of Jalen Turner mm-hmm. on this one. Um, so for one, uh, Dan Hooker very rarely is at a height and reach disadvantage. Um, he's a pretty tall, lanky guy. I think he's six foot um, with a pretty decent 
reach as well uh 75 inches so that's what six three so yeah his reach is like six foot three um that's that's a pretty sizable reach to fight at 155 um and jalen turner is a full three inches taller than him so i think that's um you know i think that's gonna be weird but at the same time who's one of dan hooker's main sparring partners it's israel adesanya who's six four uh and has an enormous reach and uses it very very well so i don't know that dan will be entirely uncomfortable um fighting out at that range but i i still don't think it's yeah it definitely doesn't benefit him yeah i think dan's got dan's a really really good kickboxer he's got really devastating leg kicks he's got really you know good powerful punches that he puts in good combinations but i see a lot of his strengths coming off of his leg kick and that's where I see this fight leading towards Jalen Turner. So Jalen Turner, like you said, is a little bit taller. Uh, if, and he's also got what I feel is better grappling than Dan Hooker does. And so the keys to victory I see with Jalen Turner is to keep this within boxing range, pin Dan Hooker up against the cage, unleash the, the left and the right, and then be able to get into the legs and do opportunistic takedowns just to make Dan Hooker think about the, what's coming next. And... Uh, you know, I think that this fight could definitely go either way, but if Jalen's able to keep this out of kicking range and, and keep his legs underneath him and keep his, you know, you know, his his power intact by not taking too much damage from the from the leg kick, I think this is his fight to lose. And another thing is, you know, Jalen Turner, while he is thirteen and six, he's got nine by TKO, four by wins by submission, and he has never ever won a fight by decision, which is which is crazy at this level, considering like he's fought some relatively good competition. I mean, nothing like Dan Rooker has. And looking at his his record, he, like I said, he fought Matouche. Uh, he won against Brad Riddell. He won against Jamie Malarkey. Not not massive names compared to to Dan Hooker, but decent you know decent talent. And you know I I just think that at this point there's more opportunities for Jalen to win. Not because he's a great takedown artist or he's got great takedown defense necessarily. But he does have a better way to dictate where the fight's going to take place. And I can see a game plan for him to win that's not predicated on one or two skill sets like Dan Hooker is, right? Dan Hooker really needs to be able to to hit the legs, beat those up, take away the power, and then bring the hands down and then hit them with the, you know, the the jab and the right cross, whatever it is. Uh, but but Jalen Turner, I just feel like, has more opportunities to win this fight. Yeah, um, you know what, uh, and what Jalen Turner does so, so well is something that I, may, I really like this, is that even though he is so long, we went over this the last time mm-hmm. when he fought uh, Gamrot, is he is so, so long, but he doesn't fight like a long man, mm-hmm. um, and and I think what I mean by that is he doesn't, um, he doesn't rely on the physical advantages of being tall. Um, he doesn't just and dan hooker does this is like he will defend a lot of shots or like protect himself from a lot of shots with just like a big lean back like leaning back at the waist and and pulling his head out of range is the way that he gets out of a lot of punches he did it to dustin poirier and it works um until it doesn't and um you're fighting a guy whose range is just deceptively long because he's fighting in so close 
Um, and if you're pulling your head back to get out of the way of a punch and you don't, your weight is behind your feet. It, it, you can't brace for a shot like that. Um, those are really, that's a really bad position to take a punch. And Jalen Turner knows that. And that's why he, he pursues really well. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, he, what he wants is for someone to try and stay outside of his range, dart in, strike at him and then back away. That's what he wants. Because if they do that, he's got good counters coming in. Um, he, he, he's at for somebody who's as long as he is, he's got really good infighting, um, really tight, crisp hooks, good frames with his elbows and things like that. Um, so to counter his man as they're, as they're coming in to try and get past his arms, but then where he does a lot of his work is as the guy's retreating, Jalen pursues and strikes really well. And part of that comes from a two or three or four punch combination that covers distance so well that a fighter will try and exit his range and they just they haven't gotten far enough they don't they don't know that they're not far away enough yet um and then they'll relax their guard and get caught with the last punch of his combination um he tagged brad riddell with that he tagged malarkey with that like that's um a he, he got gamrock with it a couple of times too um, Which is a more competitive fight than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, man, he did really. The thing that we noticed about Jamie or Jamie, uh, the thing that we noticed about Jalen Turner last time was that when he gets taken down, he gets held down um, more often than not, or you know, more often than we'd like to see um, if we were in his corner. Uh, he was able to get up a couple of times against Gamrot. Gamrot isn't the best at holding people down especially because he looked so undersized Mm -hmm. um but there have uh turner has lost fights and definitely lost rounds because he got stuck on the bottom and wasn't able to dig himself back out when um when turner fought gamrot that was actually a late late replacement mateus gamrot was a late replacement for dan hooker so they were supposed to have this fight already um, and Turner said about that one that he anticipated that Dan Hooker was going to be the one to try and take him down. Um, so I think he thinks that Dan is going to run out of options on the feet pretty quickly. And, um, I, 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 I kind of agree. Uh, I, th- you said it, Dan Hooker's big weapon is those low leg kicks. Yeah. He's so good at that. And, J- and, uh, Jalen Turner has a lot of leg. It's just going to be hard to get that out of the way. But I don't think Dan's kicking range is outside of Turner's punching range. And I could see Jalen punishing those like low leg kick attempts with straight jabs. Um, if Dan gets lazy for even once, you know, and he's not setting those kicks up every time, if he's not hiding them in movement, if he's not being really smart when he takes those shots, Turner's going to be able to put his hands on him while uh, Hooker's on one leg. And that's going to, that's really going to work against him. And also, you know, we were talking about earlier is Jalen Turner hits really hard. 
right? So hard. And so does Michael Chandler. So does Dustin Poirier. And we've seen what that's done to Dan Hooker. And it makes you wonder, you know, I, I believe that becoming chinny over a series of consecutive knockouts a real thing, right? So it, I have a lot of concerns with Dan Hooker coming in because he's taken so much damage in the past four to five fights. And he's 33 years old right now. He's going to need, you know, this win, maybe two or three other marquee wins against big names in order to be able to move up and even be in the conversation for a title. So how much do you think Dan Hooker has left in the tank at this point? Not his spirit. I mean, the guy obviously is a fighter, but, you know, you can only take that so many times. I could see... Dan Hooker, I could see him... I mean, honestly, I still think he's a top 10 guy. Uh, definitely um, top 10 guy. I don't know if he's going to crack the top five again. I, I Yeah, but do you think the I, wars have have made him more susceptible to getting knocked out, to getting rocked? Because he's going against, again, you know, a really heavy hitter, someone that can press him, that's going to be, you know, good maybe, counter shots. Maybe. You know, I got, he was so tough against Poirier, and he, the last time he got stopped... Um, was it featherweight? And I don't, you know, I, I, so I attribute a lot of that to the weight uh, cut. that stoppage to, yeah, huge weight cut. He was just outgunned. He was too slow. Uh, Arnold Allen is a big hitter for featherweight. Um, yeah, I mean, so the one loss to Michael Chandler by knockout, that one, tough. The damage he took in the Poirier fight, tough. You're totally right. I forgive him a little bit for the. Arnold Allen won, but in his other losses, he hasn't taken a ton of damage, or in his other fights, rather. Like, he got mounted and, uh, you know, kimura or uh, americana by uh, the current champ, Lukashev. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and Poyas in his last fight didn't do anything to him. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know how his chin is. I, what I do think is that it is going to get tested because um, Dan likes to strike with his hands down. When he puts combinations on, he swings from the hip. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, I mean, that's just a bad place to be uh, swinging from the hip. Jalen Turner is very accurate. Um, he, he's he got great punching mechanics, and he punches all the way through people. Um, and he, he's got good hooks, too, so he, he's he's good in close. It. Uh, yeah, I think Jalen Turner is an appropriate match for Dan Hooker, but I think it's one that Jalen is um, rightly the favorite in. Yeah, yeah. So Jalen Turner, we said in the beginning, minus 275, Hooker plus 230. I don't like the, the odds on that when we're talking about you know DraftKings. By the way, all this was taken from DraftKings today on July 5th. Uh, but there was one good line that I saw, which is Turner inside the distance at minus 150, which is what I think the smart money should be. All right, next we're going to talk about Robert Whitaker versus Dricus Duplessis. Whitaker is minus 400. Duplessis is plus 300. What are your thoughts? So I encounter online a lot of people who seem very, very convinced the Drickus Duplessis is gonna mop the floor mm-hmm. with Robert Whitaker. And you see that meme we put out? Yes, of course. I see all of the caged wisdom <laughs> content. 
Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. If you saw it, it was uh, something that was about like drinking and smoking while it was a baby. And then you find out your kid ended up betting on Drake's 2 plus C over, <laughs> over Robert Whitaker. That, see, see, yeah, but you're right, though. You're absolutely like, okay, what am I like? What am I missing that people think that Drake's 2 plus C I know what is you're gonna missing. just like it's it's a case of seeing what people did uh, best, you know, what the last thing that happened and forgetting the entire body of work. Drake's 2 plus yeah, C is I, a talent. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, he is yeah. not Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker is without a doubt. Uh, the second best fighter at um, at, at uh, 185. No questions asked. God, he's he's so good. Yeah. So uh, and 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 a like a charging in your face brawler is just not gonna be the thing that beats Robert Whitaker. Like the uh, uh, it'll come up again later in this episode. Where when a fighter, when their mentality going into a fight is like, well, he's never fought someone like me. Mm. That's a bad sign, dude. Like, <laughs> one, yeah, he has. And two, what do you mean like you? Bad? A little bit? Like, so Drickus, yeah. So Drickus Duplicy had a very successful uh, KSW um, run and beat Roberto Soldich which was huge, and he absolutely earned that win. Um, lost the rematch. That's okay. Roberto Soldich is very good. Uh, one championship career notwithstanding. But, yeah, I just, like, being, like, unorthodox and heavy-handed and, like, forward pressure, you know, so is... Marvin Vittori. You know, so is Jared Cannonier. you know? Kelvin Gastelum hits really hard and is unorthodox. Darren Till hits really hard and is, you know, unorthodox. Izzy hits really hard, all, even though he lost. Izzy uh, hits really hard. But, you know, but in this, uh, you know, at the first fight, Rob made a lot of corrections in that, and the second fight was absolutely nothing like the first. Um, I, I'm, I'm talking a lot of trash to Drickus, uh, or about him. I like him. I think he's a fun fighter to watch. Um, Every single one of his fights has been very entertaining. Mm-hmm. He seems like a good dude. Uh, I'm surprised he that just he wants beat Derek to... Brunson, too, to be honest with you. I thought Derek Brunson yeah, was going to take that fight. Yeah, you know, I, I, we keep thinking that somebody's going to put this pressure that, you know, that Duplessis not going to be able to get out of. But, I mean, he really does. I mean, he's just got the dog. Um, he goes for a lot of takedowns. I think he, he took Brunson down one time, mm-hmm. uh, took Till down a couple of times, and he's got some really good yep. ground and pound, good heavy hands. Um, the thing about him is, like in his defense, he 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 does. I mean, he's got good awareness on the ground, but a lot of his defense is, or a lot of his like recovery is big, explosive, athletic movements. Um, and you can you only have so many of those in you. Uh, if if Rob is gonna keep him against the cage and you know piece piece up the legs and stab to the gut, shoot takedowns every now and then, drag him down, let him back up after he gasses, you know, spends a ton of energy trying to like be very athletic and get back to his feet. Rob will let him do that. Um, I just think that. 
and so this other thing is his cardio. Now, we've seen in the last couple of fights, every single time he's breathing out of his mouth, mm-hmm. he's huffing and puffing, and his coach says, right, he had totally obstructed airways in his nose. He couldn't breathe through his nose. He had one nostril had 0% oxygen flow or whatever, and the other one had 8%. And just from all the the times it's been broken over the years. Yeah, so there's just like so much obstruction and so much buildup of cartilage and scar tissue and whatever that he was getting a total of eight percent oxygen is what his coach said, and that's ridiculous. There's no freaking way you were only getting eight percent <laughs> oxygen if you tried to breathe. Seems through like your a nose skewed for... stat line to me too. Yeah, so you know, so that just don't. I don't buy that. He needs to go with odd numbers his, next time. It makes it sound more. Is his is his card cardio going to be improved because of his nose? Sure. Um, I totally believe that. Is Robert Whitaker probably going to re-break his nose? Yeah, I'm, I definitely yeah. believe that. You know, uh, Drickus closes the distance on straight lines, which is, you know, it's just not something that you're going to catch Whitaker like, by surprise with. Mm-hmm. He's very, very smart. Um, his, his offense is... His fight IQ is, is off the charts. Yeah, his... He's got a lot of tools. You've seen similar strikes, but he applies them very well. He's got that one-two, same side high kick that he loves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works over and over and over again because he uses it a lot, but he doesn't spam it. Like, he applies it very intentionally. Um, he's also mean. Like, like in a way that I sometimes forget and can't wrap my head around. Like, Robert Whitaker is a mean dude. He... Uh, I remember in the the ap- aftermath of the Darren Till fight, he did he did that like oblique kick, like that stomp. Mm-hmm. Um, that he and he and he started doing that because Romero did it to him, and so he stomped. And Darren Till said in his corner, "My knees fucked." He popped something; it went backwards, and they said, "Hey, Rob, did you?" go back to that knee stomp because Darren Till said it pop blew something in his knee. And he goes, Oh, it did. I'm going to stomp more knees. Then like he just like yeah. Robert Whitaker loves to make fighting miserable. He hurts people every single time. And, but he's a, he and seems like if, a really good dude though. I mean, he just uses really I, savage techniques and he'll do whatever it takes to pull out a victory. And that's where, you know, I think that, I think this is a little bit too much too soon for Duplessis. You know, I as a Derek Brunson was at the tail end. I mean, he was retiring, right? I think yeah, I think Brunson's yeah, retiring. he's definitely at the end. He's definitely at the end of his career. Yeah, I, I thought I even made a comment about it recently on social media about him retiring. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you could see where that might be. You know, that's a good win for Duplessis, a little bit of a surprising win. But Darren Till, we've seen what's happened to him in the last in the last three or four years. Uh, Tavares, we've seen what happened to him in the last few years. And Whitaker, you know, hasn't really seemed to lose a step. You know, Vittori, he's getting better, Kananir, I would say. Uh, he's putting these 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 wins together, and I think they're, just, they're feeding someone that has a lot of momentum that's getting behind their name. But Robert Whitaker, for almost anybody, even for like Hamzat Chemaev, is just too much too soon. And, and yeah. I think that Hamzat Chemaev is head and shoulders above Drake's Duplessis. My personal opinion on that. 
And I wouldn't want to see him in there with the likes of Robert Whitaker. I mean, maybe uh, Marvin Vittori, maybe. But Whitaker, no. Absolutely not. Sean Strickland. I, um, I think yeah, Sean Strickland would have been a good, a good test for him before putting him there with Whitaker. If I was a matchmaker. Yeah, that's a good one. Right. Um, there's a lot. You, you sort of don't want to like. I was thinking about like maybe like Roman Delize or someone like that, but you don't want to like match all of your. Uh, you don't want to match yeah. all of your star, your, star, you know, your prospects yep. up together. Yeah, because you want you got to build them, uh, and I get that. But you know, so the the this fight almost reminds me of um, Sean O'Malley versus Piotr Jan, where. Everybody goes, you've only fought cans, or you've only fought, like, much lower-ranked fighters. This jump all the way up to the top of the top is way too much too soon. You are out of your depth. So, we all remember how that one went. Controversial, or, you know, as that decision may be, O'Malley walked away with the win. I would be even more surprised if Duplessis managed to to pull one out against Whitaker. I just, the way to beat Whitaker is the way Izzy fights. Like you have to be, you know, out, you have to out technique him Mm -hmm. um, because you just, you you can't just like chase him down. You have to like Robert Whitaker has really, really well with him. Robert Whitaker has survived hell and back. He, I would both Romero fights, and, you know, I mean, that guy just can take a tremendous beating. His survival instincts are, like, just the best you see in the UFC. His, like, he doesn't panic shoot, but he does, like, initiate grappling when he needs to recover. And he can break out of that and re-engage mm-hmm. and strike on the break and then create space and then circle. I mean, he's just, uh, I mean, unless you catch him dead to rights... It, you gotta, I mean, it's just, I, I just don't see how, what Duplessis is going to do here. Uh, I just think it's going to be another three-round Whitaker clinic. Yeah, I and really, that's the, and that's really the other do. thing that we didn't touch on is Whitaker has been fighting almost, in, you know, exclusively five-round fights for the past, what, five years? Would you say? Yeah. I mean, almost exclusively. And, mm-hmm. you know, Duplessis obviously has not really had to do that. I, has he Has he been on, has he headlined yet? Did he headline? No. No, he hasn't headlined. So he's never had to do a five-round fight. So I think that, you know, Whitaker's not going to have to even hold Maybe back. Maybe in KSW. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm yeah. talking about in the UFC. So Whitaker's not even going to mm-hmm. have to hold back on any of this stuff. And so his his conditioning, from what I've seen, rounds one through five, has looked good the whole way through. I mean, he is every bit as dangerous in round five as he is in round four and round three. Maybe not necessarily round two and round one, but... That's something that Drix Duplessis has not had to contend with is someone that has this level of cardio that's been at the top of the tier for so long, right? So I, I think this is a, a really good opportunity for Whitaker to make another case to, to fight Izzy. But by the way, you know, on that note, do you think that's something that is going to end up happening? If he wins this fight, how close is he to another Izzy fight? And do you think that anyone even really wants to see an Izzy versus Whitaker again? I mean, you gotta give it to him though. Yeah, you gotta get from a business. You standpoint, gotta give though. I, I mean, if so, here's the thing: 
if you don't give Whitaker the Izzy fight, he's just going to ruin all your contenders then. You know, it's like for, even from a business standpoint, the longer mm. you keep Rob away from title shots that he's earned, like there isn't going to be any fresh talent to fight Israel because they're all just going to get turned away by Rob at the door. Yeah, he's like a he's like a gatekeeper, except no one can get past. The no, gate. yeah, he's a, he's like a top three. <laughs> it's gatekeeper. just a locked gate. Yeah, <laughs> I'd really like to see Strickland fight him or something like that because god you know strickland i don't want to you know go off on a tangent here but strickland looks good right now he looks beatable but he looks good yeah he does yeah he looks beatable but he always finds a way to win i mean what a what a great fight it would be to see whitaker versus uh strickland because i think the build-up would be great because as much as you don't want to like strickland he's a hell of an interview you don't you you <sighs> hate sean strickland don't you dude he's <laughs> sucks you know what but he's that guy but he's like love him or hate him it's like donald trump like you listen to him you're like oh my god like just says whatever he wants to say like it's great sound bites i don't know if i love him or hate him but i know i <laughs> want him to see a therapist yeah <laughs> i you know i i would i pay a pay-per-view money to see robert whitaker go home with a few of his you know Take a few of Sean Strickland's teeth. Damn right you sure. would. Sure, I'd watch. Absolutely, I'd watch that. The um, build up would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Who else? Yeah. I just. I. I just don't think the thing. I've got a couple of notes here. Duplicy count. He check hooks really well. He switches stances well. You know, maybe he gets like a a, a very clever shifting shovel hook cat. You know, when Rob is darting in. I guess I could see that happening, but so do you think it's, I think it's I'm just TK or, or nothing for him? Is that the way you see this going? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I agree. Uh, Whitaker, I, I, I see Duplessis being tough enough in three rounds to last mm-hmm. the whole way around. Yeah. Th- Whitaker by decision. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, what I say? Minus 400 for Whitaker to win, but it's plus 175 mm-hmm. for it to go to a decision victory. That's what I would take. I take Whitaker yep. by decision. All right, so now we're to the last two fights, the championship fights, the headliners. Co-main event: Brandon Moreno, twenty-one and six, coming off a win against uh, was a, a, a quad. I don't even know how you say that. Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy against Figueredo, uh, current champion, taking on Pantoja, who is thirty-three, twenty-five and five, and for those that don't know holds two victories over Brandon Moreno, one on the contender series, right? Uh, tough. Or tough, excuse me. And the other one was in uh, 2018. What are, your th- what are your thoughts on this fight? Man, um, I like Pantoja. He's a ton of fun. Um, yeah, he is a ton He's, of he, like, the way that the lower divisions, um, the lower weight divisions, attack the back from standing from like the scrambles to the back um at flyweight are so fun to watch and even though those are everywhere in that division like scramble like off takedown attempts off defenses off clinches off missed strikes like scrambles to the back are all over the place even though it's all over the place in that division pantoja still stands out Mm -hmm. as being so fucking phenomenal at taking the back and hunting for those chokes. He's got, let's see, I, I he's got 10 subs 
on, uh, listed on Tapology. Only eight of them have techniques listed. Seven of those eight are rear naked chokes. He just, he, I mean, he that's his move. He's so good at it, and good. half of the you know, and half of those chokes are like not even on the neck. Like the way that he holds his body triangle um, gets him a lot of leverage to just apply face cranks. I think that's how he won his last one against, um, I think it was Royval. Yeah, Brandon Royval. That he fought was yeah. his last. Yeah, like when he gets the back and he's got a, just an iron body triangle and just puts so much torque. Um, Man, I it's a ton of fun to watch. As good as his grappling is, um, his striking is his is not good. <laughs> I mean, his his striking serviceable. is serviceable. Um, I mean, he's he's got decent technique. He's got good power, but he is unrefined. Yeah, he's he's say. he's going to be highly highly dependent on an opportunistic scramble where he's going to be able to capture uh, get the back. Because isn't that how he beat Brandon Moreno the the second time? No, or was that? Um, he won by decision the second, second time. time. He did he did sub him with an RNC in the yeah, in yeah, at the tough contenders. Right. You're in tough. Yeah. yeah. Oh look, I did it now. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I Pantoja pursues the back. I like I like that the, I like that this is a relatively close fight on paper because I think it's going to be really interesting because I think it's it's easy to look at Moreno right now and uh, you know see that there's not a whole lot of people out there that are going to really contend against Moreno because he's starting to look really really good and so I don't want to just anyone to overlook Pantoja because that guy is a, is a killer and he's got some amazing techniques but you're right his takedowns are are okay they're decent but it's really the scramble it's that in between that he's really good at and then capturing the back in the scramble once it gets on your back there's a nine ninety percent chance you're probably going to go out uh if there's over you know two minutes in the round but brandon moreno man the the difference the delta that brandon moreno has overcome between 2018 and today with every facet of his game is undeniable to anyone that's paid he's attention. incredible. He's, yeah, anyone that's paid attention to the sport, he's a professional. He takes the sport very seriously. He adapts. He's he's got a really high fight IQ, and the guy is an absolute dog. I mean, there's not an ounce of quit in him. The only time I've seen anything concerning with me in the last five years with Brandon Moreno is when he wasn't able to adapt and overcome the leg kicks by Figueredo, which that you know was when he lost the second or the third fight against Figueredo, right? Yeah, the third the fight. The third fight, yep. That's the only yeah, weakness I, I've seen in a long time. Yeah, because he's got that, like, elongated stance. Um, and he took a couple—he took some good leg kicks in that third fight, but, um, I mean, he still played his whole game. I think, as crazy as it, four fights with Davis and Figueredo was, like, one of the best things that could have happened to Brandon Moreno. He became— so much better every single time yeah. and, and 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 i think it helped him in other ways like if you have two wins over a guy you should feel very good going into a third fight if you have if some guy's beaten you twice you should feel pretty stressed going into a third fight yeah. but i don't think anything is going to shake brandon after that series with figueredo he yeah, I almost felt bad for him. Argue, 
he arguably lost the first one. I mean, he did lose, and then Moreno, uh, Figueredo got a point deducted, mm-hmm. so it was a tie. One lost. I, I mean, he, the, Davidson Figueredo was like this specter that hung over him, and he got better every single fight. And and I don't think any psychological advantage you might attribute to Pantoja because of those previous victories. I don't think that's going to matter. I think Brandon which I is normally would really consider. A yeah. normal circumstance, yeah, I, mean, I would absolutely consider that. But I agree with you. I think Brandon Moreno is has showed, especially in his striking. And you know when he fought mm-hmm. Pantoja uh, back in 2018 and on Tough Series, he was primarily known as a grappler during that time. And you see the difference now with his ability to, to uh, you know, I mean, he's even getting, didn't he get a TKO on Kaikara France? Yeah, body shot. Body shot. Yeah. Yeah, so. Body kick to the liver. Yeah. Yeah, he's got power in his feet. He's got power in his hands. And and he puts it on really, really well. He doesn't, yeah. you know, he, he knows when to sit his weight down on punches. He knows when to, like, lunge into strikes he knows when to you know strike and stick and move he's got uh, yeah his just his awareness his dog he's got that 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 mexican warrior spirit in him it doesn't matter how many times he gets hit or how close he gets to being finished you know when he stands up at the next round that you're going to be dealing with the exact same level of intensity and tenacity as you had to the whole fight which i would imagine for a lot of fighters that are not at the top, top, top level, that would be a really, really scary proposition to fight someone that has that type of mentality and the ability to overcome the physical, you know, uh, I guess the physical challenges in the ring and be able just to elevate over and over and over again, which is what we saw him do in almost every fight he had with Davis and Figueredo. And Kaikara France got some good, good hits on him too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. And and I think another thing that's in Moreno's advantage here is that, uh, you know, when they say something like, uh, they'll talk about, like, Khabib or, or somebody, and they say, like, everyone knows what he's going to do, and he just does it anyway. That's phenomenal, because if everyone knows what you're going to do, doing it becomes way, way, way harder, and... and Panto- like everybody knows yeah. what Pantoja's game plan is. It's to initiate a scramble, get the back, rear naked choke. That's his move. He's got like one twos uh, on the feet. He doesn't vary his strikes up a ton. He hits hard. Um, I like his leg kicks, but I just he doesn't have a like a a dynamic striking style or like a. I mean, he's not like Ben Askren. I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to poo-poo him so much. Sorry, Ben, if you're listening. Um, but I, I think if you have, if you are so singularly focused in your game plan, you should have like other facets that at least disguise those attempts, like disguise your main goal. Um, and you gotta have a plan B. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't think that Pantoja's developed a plan B that is enough th- to overcome Moreno's well-roundedness, his unorthodox movement, his sharp counters, his own really high-level grappling ability. Like, um, 
Pantoja has lost. Um, he's lost a couple of times, and he loses to um, guys who can outgrapple him. Uh, and it's usually wrestling that does it. Yeah, um, Askarov, Figueroa, uh, Ortiz. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah, Dustin Ortiz wrestled him. Figueredo is just a freak of nature. Askarov, uh, yeah, just if you can neutralize his scrambling, um, and and I wouldn't be surprised if Moreno could do that too. Like, yes, it's always dangerous to be on the ground with Pantoja, but Moreno's got such sound fundamentals, and then he applies his own very technical scrambling and his striking and his in and out movement. I mean, I just think it's too much. Um, I think he has grown in leaps and bounds um, and it'll be too much for Pantoja. I agree. So do you think, what, what are the odds on that? It's uh minus 200 for Moreno. The other option is to go minus 125 for it to go the distance. Do you think this fight goes the distance or do you think this is? I think Moreno puts him away. You think Moreno puts him away? Okay. Yeah, I think he TKOs him in the third or fourth. Yeah, there's not that much of a delta. So I, I, I think I agree with you. Minus 200, Brandon Moreno. I'm definitely taking Brandon Moreno on that one. And then the final nice. fight. Holy cow. Yeah, this is actually probably going to be a relatively quicker wrap-up than the other ones, which is one of my favorite all-time fighters is Alexander Volkanovsky is taking on one of my all-time favorite fighters to watch, which is Yair Rodriguez and Volkanovski is minus 300. I know, is it minus 380, I think. And then Rodriguez is plus 290. This, uh, I alluded to this earlier. This is the other one where I feel like the main thing Yair's got is, well, he's never fought anyone like me. You know? Like. But he has. <laughs> Rodriguez is well, no, yeah, so dynamic. Yeah. He's so dynamic. He's so fast. He hits so hard. He's so creative and unorthodox. And and he throws, like, those Rabona kicks or whatever, like, behind his own leg kicks and and bent forward, upwards elbows that he and leaping kicks and spin. You know, it's just all faff. And Volk is... What do you mean by faff? Just useless bullshit. <laughs> Um, his, his work for him. I, I mean, what has he lost twice in the UFC? And he took like a two-year break, and he's been on a tear. And, and he lost against, what, Frankie Edward, Edward, uh, Edgar and Max Holloway. Frankie Edgar, right? who and both of whom wrestled him to the ground. Yep. Uh, and, and if you're getting out-wrestled by Max Holloway, that, that, bummer, that was dude. a close fight, though. And, <laughs> it was. And it was, Yair it was Rodriguez clo- put it on him. And Yair looked great, he looked and he good. looked great against Josh Emmett too. Yair Rodriguez is very, 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 very good, yep. but throw like ten more varies on Volkanovski. I I just don't think being wild and crazy is gonna be like the game plan yeah. that. Yes, you will have a puncher's chance, and maybe your puncher's chance will be higher than everybody else's puncher's chance if you commit to uh, punching a whole hell of a lot harder and faster than all those other people. But it's just not a reliable yeah I, way I, to I, win. I think you're discrediting a little bit too much with the IR. I don't think that he's reckless. Uh, I just think he's got a skill set that's so above and beyond – you know when it when he combines it with the athleticism 
that is so above and beyond what most people have the ability to do. I think he becomes over sure on that. And again, that's a that's a much better way to put it. Yeah, I think. And, right. and thank you. And then uh, Volkanovski is, in my my personal opinion, I think he's the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Is he on the rankings right now as number one? Um, no, they gave it to John Jones. Bleh. Yeah, because he beat one guy in four years. Yeah. Well, Volkanovski is, man. See, he's got the ability to. Not only is he is he is he extremely fast. He's got damn near flawless technique with his strikes and but his his ability to mix it up in the middle and stay out of range until the last second and then he's got the ability to take someone down he was going toe-to-toe with islam makachev on the ground which come on man i mean you know coming up to 155 and being able to not only escape bad positions but also to reverse a position on islam and didn't he end up almost in the mount or almost mounting islam in the final round uh he ended the fight on top i think he might have been in guard top but he was standing like he ended the fight on top against like, islam ground and pounding i mean yeah he actually yeah. De- derailed islam's uh, you know, a lot of that guy's momentum with the fans put a, put a serious dent in yep. in that um, undefeated or that in that sort of that like image impenetrable image that he has. So I think that this fight is is going to go one of two ways. I think it's going to be Volkanovski kind of staying on the outside early on, and just seeing how Yair Rodriguez reacts, and then he's going to blitz and he's going to take him down, or I think he actually has the ability to go toe-to-toe with him on the feet, and I think he can even be successful there. So he's got the ability to dictate where the fight's going to take place. He's got plus-plus-plus skill sets in every area, and I think that he's going to eliminate Yair Rodriguez's advantage, which in this case is just, I don't even know if it's speed. What, what do you think is his, what is it, range maybe? Like where does where does Yair Rodriguez really excel, where Volkanovski does? That his... Volk doesn't. Um, I can't. Really I think, think of his anything. like dynamic his dynamic kicking game is probably stronger than Volk's. But don't you think um, that's Volk doesn't end have up a being a more of a detriment than a positive against someone like him, just like it was against Frankie Edgar, which was a long time ago, by yeah. the way, a long time ago, what, like 2016 mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh yeah yeah so uh, 2017 yeah 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 um I that that was the only year I have written down here yeah um I I was watching um Daniel Cormier's show Detail um or his version of the show Detail on ESPN uh, in preparation for this and it was the fight that they were highlighting was his second fight against Max and I, the way Volkanovski is like four steps ahead in his striking like is brilliant he pushes and pulls he initiates exchanges to bait responses to counter those responses and then that counter is actually a setup for a fourth like mm-hmm. a fourth initiation i mean he is varied but he's not wild he doesn't fall into habits like he doesn't he doesn't default on the same techniques over and over he has them and he will use them when they're appropriate but he doesn't have he doesn't give the same response over and over because he 
himself bases his game on, you know, fainting and creating overreactions and punishing those reactions. And so he knows how important feints are. He knows how important being able to anticipate your opponent is. And so he is very dynamic. He, he's very intentional he does he he his variety isn't like lefts and rights it's levels it's like from it's uppercuts from overhands it's body jabs it's leg kicks instead of leg kicks it's hooks it's there's so many well applied techniques in a, a, a very intentional order and in a way that doesn't provide like good data for his opponent to to make good reads on and that and especially if you're a fighter who needs a ton of space like Yair Mm -hmm. does and you rely a lot on your movement like Yair does and and your biggest attacks are yes fast but big that's just like a lot of opportunities for Volkanovsky to to make your life harder I think you just hit the nail on the head everything that Yair does is big and I it's think big. that's it's fast, gonna, it's but it's fast big. and it's big. And I think that's going to be, uh, I think that's going to be his undoing, especially with a smaller, more compact fighter. That's going to be every bit as quick, maybe not as fast, but he's going to be Volk's as quick. faster than Max is. Yeah. Uh, and Max was able to, you know, beat Yair to the punch. Uh, you know, Max and, and Yair were, um, very even on the feet and Volk absolutely outclassed Max. Yeah more than I'm once trying to make this and interesting. <laughs> i dude i this is so crazy like i'm very excited to watch these fights but this is like i think this is gonna be uh it's gonna be a really good this fight is, to watch for the fans though this is like anyway this is one of those it. cards where i'm very confident top to bottom of of my picks well i think so is vegas because all of the favorites are gonna win these fights i uh, did man yeah um i i'm very excited and if if i'm wrong it will be incredible to watch these upsets. Yeah, um, I agree. Well, and the other thing I, about Volkanovski, these are these are fights that I'm very confident. That I wanted in. To, to at least mention is just the the champion mm-hmm. mindset that he has. He doesn't get rattled. He's got supreme confidence, and even when even in in losses, which you've only seen, you know, one that I can remember. Uh, he, he's okay taking the risk. Right, he went up and fought Islam at 155, knowing that that had the potential to tarnish his record because Islam looked unbeatable during his run in the UFC. Besides that, the one loss that he had, and you know, it just doesn't seem to face him. And was the one thing on the mic that he says after every fight, he's like, "I'm not special. I just work hard. Anybody can do what I do. You just have to work hard." And well, I don't necessarily believe that to be true. <laughs> to be true, I think there's some absolute. Uh, there's a lot of things that have to line up for you to be like that. But it just goes to show his mindset, which is put in the work, get the confidence, execute, and have fun while doing it, and everything will just kind of fall into place. And that's where he's at right now, and that's a very, very difficult uh, type of fighter to overcome because he's enjoying himself out there. He's not feeling the weight of the world going in, and I think Yair is going to feel a lot more pressure than Volkanovski does on fight night. And in a five-round fight, and which is probably going to be one of the biggest pay-per-view cards of the year, um, you can bet that has an impact. Because I know that as someone that's done jiu-jitsu tournaments, shit, with 10 people watching, I get nervous with fucking yeah. 
10 million watching, I, I, I don't even know what I would be able to do. I'd have a hard time even, you know, being on the mic in the introduction. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, but I agree with you. I think this is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a relatively competitive fight for the first round or two. But once Volkanovski is able to get his timing down and Yara Rodriguez slows down just a little bit with his big techniques, I think he's going to, he's going to dive in. He's going to get him to the ground. He's going to start to wear him out. He's going to hang on him. He's going to do those really, really crisp uh, elbows that he does when he gets someone in the clinch. And that's going to mm-hmm. be start to be the undoing. You're going to see Yair start to wilt slowly after the second round. And then by round four, he's going to be uh, not in a position to even be competitive to win the fight. Leg kicks, body work. It's going to be a lot. Range. It's a lot to ask it's, uh, Yair Vol- to take this yeah. fight. Yeah, Volk is going to put offense on, and I think uh, um, in every single front that this fight could possibly be fought at, Volk's going to be punishing Yair in anything he does, and I think that's going to – it's just going to be a long night for him. Yep, I so, agree. Pretty obvious we're going with Volk. Yep, going with Volk. Hard not to. Hard not to. I completely agree with you. So, all right. Well, you got uh, you got big plans for the fight. What are you going to do? You know, this time I think uh, we'll shake it up. We're probably going to do something different. Um, this time we'll probably go out to a Buffalo Wild Wings and uh, watch the fight. That's the exact same thing you do every time. <laughs> I don't even know why I ask. Hey, anymore. you know, man, if it if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't yeah. fix it. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm going to get together with some buddies, watch the fights. I think they're going to listen to these. So if I don't if I don't end up winning all these fights, then uh, I, I catch an earful. So I'm hoping that everything goes well. <laughs> But it's good to keep you yeah, to everyone listening. Appreciate you uh, you jumping off the case wisdom. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for UFC 291, which is a good card as well. And going to be excited about that one. So looking forward to that. In the meantime, we will be having all of our picks and the podcast link up on uh, on Instagram by tomorrow. And thank you again. And see you all in a couple of weeks. Appreciate it. Over and out.